0: Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Portions of the Oilers Now podcast are brought to you by proamsports.ca.
1: 630 Ched and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present The Show That Is
0: Everything Oilers Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex
1: Office Equipment Solutions North America Wide Yeah, Digitex does that D-I-G-I-T-E-X C-A On Oilers Radio 630 Chad. It's
0: 105 in Edmonton, it's the second hour of Oilers Now Bob Stoffer with you well, now brought to you by our title sponsor, Digitex. 630 Chad uses Digitex for their copiers and their printers. Their service is excellent. They now sell supplies for all brands of printers at big savings. Digitexsupplies.ca. In this hour, in 29 seconds time, television analyst for the Washington Capitals broadcast briefly an Edmonton oiler or an Edmonton area product, Alan May. We've also got Louis DeBras from NHL Hockey and Rogers and Randy Hanch, the general manager of the Edmonton Oil Kings, who uh, made a couple deals to pick up some 20-year-olds yesterday and had the number one pick overall in the WHL Bantam Draft, and they went skill, skill, skill. Some guests and Oilers now receive gift certificates from Japanese Village, three locations, downtown, south side, and north side. Straight off to a River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline, Al May joins us. Al, welcome back to the show. How you doing? I'm
1: doing great. Thanks for
0: having me. I appreciate it. Well, we appreciate you having on. I know we got uh, you got a lot of fans every time you 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 do the show. So it's uh, you know the honor is ours. Uh, Hey, it's two two in the series with the team that you cover. Uh, and you've covered for the last several years the team that you've played for. You've played this arch nemesis, the Pittsburgh Penguins, the two-time reigning Stanley Cup champs. So, Al, I'm going to give you the the fastball right up the gut here. Uh, Nazem Kadri's three-game suspension, to me, may have been the swing factor ultimately between Toronto and Boston. Is there a concern that the Tom Wilson three-game suspension may be the swing factor in the series between Washington and Pittsburgh?
1: Well, if you're looking for excuses to lose, then it's the swing factor, but I I look at what I've seen the last few years with the Pittsburgh Penguins playing against the Capitals, they've gone through two years ago, didn't have Latang, or last year they didn't have Latang at all. Uh, one of the best defensemen in the National Hockey League is maybe the second-best right-hander, the third-best right-hander in the league by a lot of people's estimation. Uh, they've gone without Crosby in games. They've gone with Malkin in games, Hornquist in games, Hagelin in games. Now, you're comparing those guys to Tom Wilson. I don't think it's an excuse. Uh, player, Everyone has to step up. No matter who's wearing that jersey, whoever fills in has just got to come out and play their own style of game. Uh, I think Nazim Kadri is a phenomenal hockey player. Uh, I, I love the way Tom Wilson plays, but there's no way that a player like Tom Wilson, who I dearly love and, and, and really admire the way he's put his game together and developed and become a different player, but it's just an excuse. If you can't find a way to win without him, then you get serious problems.
0: Uh, he is an impactful player for that hockey team, isn't
1: he? Oh, He's very impactful. You know what? He, he's turned, he went from just being a penalty getter to like a penalty killer. Maybe their best penalty killer now. So he's not there for that. Pittsburgh did get a, a power play goal last night, but it seems like they always do. They had the best power play in the league this season. Yes. But, you know, he, he is a player that has a lot of impact. You know, defensemen fear him. Uh, he, he, he skates just as fast or faster than pretty much every player on the ice. I think players slow down and they see him coming and, and because of that i think they take the brunt of, uh, of the physical impact with him he's a solid he is solid and he's i think it's now you know everyone used to want him to be like milan lucic i think now everyone will want milan lucic to be a lot more like tom when it comes to getting up and down the ice and creating space and doing those things with his legs uh he, he's really turned himself around into a very good hockey player but like I said, there, there's no. You've just got to find a way for the other players to win this series. Can't, you can't go and cry and get make up another excuse that you know it's Tom Wilson's absence that will cost you the series you got
0: to uh, go out there and win the game. Just on a related aside, were you surprised that Pittsburgh let uh, Vegas – I mean, Vegas picked – they're not even playing Ryan Reeves, but my belief, my understanding is, v- frankly, uh, Vegas and, and Edmonton may have been outside of the the realm at that point, but the Oilers had their way with Vegas early in the year, and Anaheim tried to bully Vegas a bit. Um, more so, obviously, for Anaheim, b- picking up Ryan Reeves, who they never ended up playing in the playoffs. But were you surprised Pittsburgh let him go because Ryan Reeves has – certainly have been capable of engaging Tom Wilson over the years.
1: Well, you know what, the the Caps, Wilson went after him uh, the first game here, and it was the night before the night after that they had played the Oilers. I think we played the Oilers on a Friday night this year, and then on Sunday we played the Penguins and and beat them, and he went after Reeves right off the bat. So there was no intimidation there. The the Caps won that game soundly, Uh, and I just don't think that, I think it's a liability, and if I'm a coach, whether I'm the coach of the Oilers, the Vegas Golden Knights, Anaheim, I tell my guys, no one fights Ryan Reeves. Let's leave him on the ice. He he, he doesn't have, the way the game is gone now, the amount of speed that we're yeah. seeing all the successful teams, all the teams that are still in it are lightning fast. The slow teams are out. And you know what? Let him be on the ice. If you want to go out there and get minor penalties, I'd have guys laughing in his face. I'd have him anytime time he came in a scrum. I'd just have the guys laugh at him and skate away. And if he wants to jump someone and and take, then you make him pay on the bad penalty. So, I don't think that it, it can be a factor anymore to have players like that. I think you have to intimidate with your legs, not so much your fists anymore. And, you know, the game was played a lot different when I played, and when you played, and it, it's about using your legs now to intimidate the other teams. And you know, they're, they're, if the player can't get up and down the ice, leave them on the ice so they're basically shorthanded when they're out there.
0: Al, you played, I pretended, uh, but. Uh... With all same age.
1: We're the same age. Yes, but so, but one
0: yeah. of us made major junior, one of us did. Uh, but I mean, it it, it is interesting. Just uh, you you watch the progression in the player that Tom Wilson has become, and he and he's a big part of it. Look, uh, Alexander Ovechkin. We got another guy in this media market, Dustin Nielsen, He's a good guy. He loves Ovi. Jack Michaels and myself talk about it all the time. If he was Canadian, would he be perceived differently? Instead, it's the natural wall. Geez, he can't get past the Penguins. The problem is Pittsburgh's multi-layered. They have Crosby and they have Malcolm. And the Caps, as good as, for example, Backstrom or maybe eventually Kuznetsov has been, they haven't been able to get over the hump. But you're around Ovechkin on a day-to-day basis. I mean, he might be the greatest goal scorer in the history of the game, given how challenging it is to score today.
1: He's absolutely and utterly amazing. And he's been putting up big numbers here in the playoffs. He's not cheating the game. Uh, He's adapted to whatever coach they've had here. He's done whatever they've wanted. Uh, Some guys have hidden behind the criticism of him, but one guy that's always done his job, as long as I've been covering this team and before I started covering this team, is Ovi. And you can find flaws in his game, but I can find flaws in Connor McDavid's game. Uh, You can find flaws in, in pretty much every player's game in the league. He is phenomenal. And I... You know, Backstrom. we wouldn't know who Backstrom was at this point. He wouldn't be the same assist guy. He's got the great hand. But Obi was getting 65 goals with other guys as well. So you look at that. He's been able to score with whoever was on his line. And, you know, he just, the release of the shot, how fast, you know, he can reach top speed. Uh, for about two years ago, he was still the fastest player in the league when it came to hitting. You Know the, the 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 highest rate of speed. I don't think he can sustain it for a minute shift. That's for sure. But between the blue lines, when he decided to go, he could just whip around guys. I think that explosiveness, the quick release. Uh, you know, he's 230, 240 pounds, and he plays the game hard. You know, he he. But now he's playing a more complete game. You know, he's over the years as the games adapted. He, he, he you know, I I thought he was the best backchecking winger they had all season. You know, he used to chase hits in the right corner where Tom Wilson's usually at and he'd explode guys he'd get 8 9 10 hits a game lead the league in hits and he no longer does that because now he he backs off he's the high guy on the forecheck a lot of times he's he's the guy getting in the way of the rush at the far blue line and you know that he he's evolved he's done what they've wanted him to so and you see playing that way and still able to score 49 goals this year I think that just shows how absolutely incredible as a goal scorer he is.
0: Well, and he scored 49 goals that led the NHL. Al May, Washington Capitals broadcaster, joining us. Al, does Pittsburgh get beneficial calls? Like, do you think you that, know? Is
1: there is you there... know what? If I look at my Twitter account and the DC fan base, you swear they do. But yeah, you know, I I, I don't think so, and I, I I don't think there's any conspiracies in the league, right? I, I, I and you know I don't think Crosby gets more calls than anyone the people that want to say that they're they're just looking for you know, they're just looking for excuses i, I that, he's the best player in the game and he's the best all around center he plays the game hard he competes he has the puck people can't skate as fast as him they haul him down they try to maim him they try to put him out and they take penalties and I think, you know, the penalties that are called are mostly deserved. Are there a lot of bad referees in the NHL? I think so. But it has nothing to do with the conspiracy of getting the Penguins on the power play. I just think the bad calls that we see, we've seen them in every series. We've seen a lot of head-shaking moments, and you're just wondering how that was a penalty and why that wasn't a penalty. And, but I think we do this complaining every single year around the National Hockey League because the players are bigger and faster than they've ever been, and the referees aren't as big and fast as the players and they're playing catch up and you know, Human error goes into that, but I don't think there's any conspiracy to win the Penguin Cup.
0: All right, I'm going to. T- I'll ask you the question differently. So my theory is veteran teams get veteran calls, and I expect in time Connor McDavid will actually get more calls because I watched it. Like you and me grew up watching those great Oilers teams, and then you're on the ice with them. But in the in the early '80s, like in the '81 series against the Islanders, and even to a lesser extent in the '83 series against the Islanders, the Islanders to me got more calls than Edmonton. But guess what? By 1988, and 90, when Edmonton was playing Boston, I felt the orders got a little bit more uh, beneficial calls than maybe Boston did. Am I out to lunch? And but I, because I, I believe in time, you earn more respects with the refs and the officials, and you do get that extra beneficial call. Well,
1: uh, yeah, I, I look at the, the old days of refereeing. I, I thought it was really bad, and there's a lot of good men that did it. But I, I, I look and I thought it lacked integrity in a lot of areas. There were refs really? wouldn't call a penalty. There were refs that wouldn't call a penalty in the third period. There were refs that would only call rookies. Uh, there, there were referees that wouldn't talk to younger players. And, you know, we, we had one of the shadiest guys leading the referees for a long time and a guy that I had no use for. and in uh, and Andy Van Helleman. I was not a fan and I had personal incidents with him and I, I saw things over the years. I read things over the years. Yep. I heard things over the years. I, I, I never had the time of day for that guy, of who he was as an NHL referee. I might upset a lot of old-timers, but I saw him manipulate games, in my opinion. I look at a guy like Paul Stewart, who a lot of the coaches didn't like because they played against him, but he had, uh, he had the balls to call penalties in the third period. He, had to call, he, had to, he, he could take two players and say, you know, that guy crossed the line. That's a penalty. He, he protected players as far as making sure guys weren't getting hurt. Uh, but I, I think back in the days of one, one referee, uh, there were too many guys that, that controlled and manipulated the game. I think now having the two referees, as much as I was against it at the start, thinking now we just got more clutter on the ice, Yeah, I think they kind of hold each other accountable. I know that in some of the games you have an, it seems like you have an alpha dog referee but I think it's starting to even out more. So I'm not sure if I, but I, you know, I would just like a penalty to be a penalty, you know, from game to game with with the same guys. Uh, a trip is a trip, and not have a, a you know a different value on it, a weighted value on a, a first, second, or third period in overtime. And I, I just want to see that consistency. I think everyone, every fan, every person that's involved in the National Hockey League would want to see that.
0: The guy I like is Wes McCauley. I think he's a
1: great ref. So, oh, I, you know what he he. Uh, is very theatrical I love him but he is so fair out there it, it's awesome I, I don't think you can get on him for ever being a holder with anyone uh, of having a favoritism out there I think he does an incredible job and uh, I, I wish there were more of him out there because he does a great job he communicates with the players and I think that's something that needs to be done more and there are referees that kind of get into alter, you know, verbal altercations with players. Wes McCauley communicates with the players, and I think that's what makes him so good. Bill McCurry was a guy like that. Kerry Fraser, a lot of people didn't like him, but, you know, outside the game, but I, I thought he was one of the best referees ever because he had a dialogue with you, and that was important. He'd explain what a penalty was. He'd tell you, I, I can't let you do that, and he said, next time you do it, I'm going to get you again, yeah. and you know, to get to the point. You won't be able to play the game if you're going to cross the line like you have been, so I I think that's an important part of what makes Wes McCauley such a good referee. All right, we're
0: joined by Al May. Al, what does Washington need to do in the next three games to win the series?
1: Well, I I think they need to get the lines back to where they were two games ago. They changed every line but one yesterday with the absence of Wilson, and I I did not like it. Uh, And they've got to get back to playing with discipline. Last night, T.J. Oshie took a dumb penalty on the power play. Caps were up. He takes a tripping penalty that was unnecessary and unneeded and Pittsburgh scores. And it you was know, a controversial goal, but it was a goal. So it takes the controversy out of it. And I think they've got to get back to, to playing a faster game when they have the puck, but also to make sure that they suffocate the top players on the Penguins. And it's a good five-man defense. Uh, play the game fast, but don't get carried away. Don't trade odd man rushes. It, it, we saw in game three how they went into Pittsburgh and they played an incredible brand of defense inside their own zone. And as soon as Pittsburgh made a mistake, they countered and scored goals off the odd-man rush versus forcing the odd-man rushes. They were opportunistic and waited for it. I think they've got to get back to that. They're going to have the line matchups. And then last night we had a no-show in Evgeny Kuznetsov. In yeah. my opinion, everyone's talking about Ovech did not getting a shot attempt. Uh, his center was not good. He's got to be better. And the only way the Caps can overcome the Penguins is Backstrom, who has been phenomenal in every single game of the playoffs. And Kuznetsov, they've got to be able to beat Malkin and Crosby. And that's a tough task. But if they can do that, the team will deserve to win the series, and they will win the series if those two guys step up and and make sure that they neutralize and win the battle with those two guys.
0: All right, uh, Al, before we let you go, I want to ask you this. Which other current series are you most compelled to watch?
1: oh you know what the the vegas san jose series is, really i i love it i i and i i love the winnipeg and nashville series but I, for me staying up late and watching winnipeg i mean vegas and san jose i, I think it's terrific coaching strategy that's going on that the counter punches that the speed of the game uh <laughs> you know this is where coaching really matters you know in the first round it's kind of mostly on the players i think just to Continue with what they did during the regular season, you know, adapt. But the second round, it really becomes more about coaches throwing a what? monkey wrench into the other team's plan. So I, I just look how fast that that series is. I love it.
0: Yeah, I, I personally, I'm quite partial to Winnipeg, Nashville. Uh,
1: but... Well, you're you're in a Canadian market too, so
0: and that's yeah, fair. Yeah, and I, that. I and I do. I, hey, point blank, I want I pick Nashville to win the West, but I want Winnipeg to win the series. And and, yeah, and I, you
1: know what? And, and for years, I've thought. I'm surprised that Paul Maurice is still coaching the Jets because I thought they were the biggest underachieving team year after year because I think their roster is spectacular. Now they've got even more dynamite on that team on that roster. And I I, I just think that 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 team should have been in the finals long before. I I just think they've underachieved, and and I love seeing them have success. They may be, in my opinion, the, the funnest team to watch as far as they've got size, they've got speed, they've got so much skill. And, you know, now they have goaltending, but is that a result of the team being so dominant when they have the puck? I know that he you know, Halibut's stolen some games, but to me, uh, they never quite put it together, and hopefully they can, t- can continue to do it here. But, you know, if Winnipeg's in the finals, uh, I'm not going to fly there like if Nashville's in the finals. Well, I'll go watch the games in Nashville, but I'm not going to fly after Winnipeg to watch the
0: finals. One final one for you. So Dustin Bufflin's been unbelievable, Six foot four and a half, 265 pounds. Absolute destroyer when he hits guys. When you play, who was the one guy that would scare you at that size because of, you know, maybe how agile and maybe they weren't 265, maybe they were 245? I'm, I'm thinking you might have had a guy in your own division with the war number 88, but he was a forward. But uh, were, were there a couple guys where you had to have your head on a swivel because he could knock you in the next week?
1: Well, I, I think on forward, you know, you had to really pay attention to when you had Leclerc and Lindros and, you know, that big line in, in Philly. But, you know, I there were three players I was always concerned with when I played, and it was knowing where they were every second of the game. It was Brian Marchman, Darius Kasparaitis, and I'm forgetting a name that I have to know that uh, I'm on the spot right now because I was talking about him the other day. But, where know, did he play? Know, oh, I, I know the name. It just, it just escaped me right now. All right, so m- m- Marchmont Marchment and Casperitis, but those were two of the lesser guys. But you just had to know where certain... Those about, guys, you had to know where they were sitting on the bench. What about Scott Stevens? There's there the other name, Scott. And I played with Scott. and But you had to know when Scott was on the bench, uh, where he was sitting, who he was sitting beside, because you, you couldn't have a nap during a game because if you weren't paying attention and you had your head down taking a pass or you put yourself in a vulnerable position, those guys got you. And with Marchman, I always had a cross check ready for the lower back because he was low, and I, I broke a few sticks over him. Casparitis would—he was—he was a fast player, and as soon as a guy's eyes went down, he just started a beeline form. So, as far as defensemen, those were the three guys that were kind of the terrorizing the National Hockey League when I played. And then, you know, up front, you know, I don't think that we all hit different back then. It was those three guys that were the guys that got you in open ice. Most of the forwards it was riding out. And yeah. you know, they didn't catapult you like they do now. Like Tom Wilson basically is catch, catching you in the middle of an intersection. We didn't hit like that for the most part as forwards on that flight. You kind of hooked the guy, rode him into the boards. And I think that's probably why you had less head injuries and, and, and things like that back then because it was kind of a containment hit. And, you know, they taught us how to take your stick through a guy and wrap him up and, you know, obstruct, break every rule there was. But it was legal to throw a hit that way. And uh, guys didn't leave their feet for the most part. When the guys hit you from behind, they actually wrapped you up like an octopus and took you into the boards. But, you know, you, you were ready for it and you braced. So the game is a lot different now that the players aren't allowed to obstruct. So that's where you see these horrific injuries like the hit Wilson laid on Zach Aston Reese the other day.
0: Yeah. The uh, one guy that did catapult himself and another guy, greatest hit of all time, the mother of all elbows, Pavel Bure. On, uh shane shirla love Sherla, and i
1: was i was playing in that yeah <laughs> so <laughs> that you know what was that awesome play. that was it on-
0: yeah. you were you were a, you were at at that time right
1: yeah and uh you know th- things like that happen but you know there there was a reason travel did it and you know usually you, you have to have a long memory back then that's why i was telling a story yesterday there was a uh, Jamie Oleksiak gave Tom Wilson a cross-check the other day and yeah. he kind of got behind the refs right away and just had a smirk on his face. And back when I played, you would remember during the off season, and if you got those guys in preseason, you'd make that guy pay right off the bat. But you'd get them first game of the season, but you wanted to get them in a preseason game because it didn't seem like there were any suspensions back then. So <laughs> you had, you always, Players had a long memory back then of who was being that type of guy in the playoffs You because know, a lot of guys had playoff models and they were in your face and they crossed the line cuz they knew there would be no gloves drop for the most right. part. Yeah, uh, so you had to get them back in preseason and that, yeah, that's how you police the game back then.
0: Pavel didn't wait till preseason, he waited right on that shift. He went right back and I mean that that's just, that play today Pavel would have been suspended for 40 games. Al, great stuff That's soaked up in the next couple of weeks, okay? Take care, man. Thank you. You bet. That's Al May, Washington Capitals broadcaster. It's 126 in Edmonton. Love having them on the show here. The best pizza in the city. Still making a great Royal Pizza. Multiple locations in Edmonton to serve you, including the original Royal Pizza in Old Strathcona. Royal Pizza is Edmonton-owned and operated. Old Strathcona, 48-plus years for Royal Pizza. Stoffer recommendation, the Mediterranean chicken. We will get to a couple texts on your Westlock 4 text line at 630-630 in the final half hour of the show. Still to come, Louis DeBrusque and Randy Hanch. Off to a global news, weather, traffic update, Eileen Bell. Showroom on St. Albert Trail. Fill your fan cave at ProAmsports.ca. That's ProAmsports.ca. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.